The only 10 on that show is Wow, and she's got like enormous tits Fair and enough. is actually somewhat sane. She does have one problem that may not be a problem for you, okay. but it is a problem for me. All right. Because I know your taste in, uh, in the ladies. In the ladies? She does like to publicly urinate. I have a problem with that. So do I. Like, where... I, I, you, you just said you didn't. What the hell? I said I didn't think you did. Oh, no. I have a problem with that. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like... What? Sure. I was like, Sean doesn't... I guess Sean doesn't have a problem with Look, that. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty open-minded, but I draw the line at peeing anywhere. Even, There's a place even, for peeing to go. Even toilets, you're like, no, 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 no. That's where it should go. That is it. You are limited to that. Maybe the shower, just as long as I don't know about it. The Alpha Counter Podcast, a new general topic podcast from the creators of Method to Madness. Find it online at alphacounter.com. Greetings, listeners. This is Zan, host of the Sparkin Movie Review, Manga Review, Game Review, Con Review, and all those other podcasts you can find at www.sparkin.com. I want to thank you for listening to this very special episode of the podcast where we have a very special guest host, Sean Ryan, the creator of AlphaCounter.com and host of AlphaCounter and Method to Madness. This is a really fun episode with a lot of interesting and possibly controversial statements made in this episode, so if you're offended, we do apologize in advance. And hope you guys have a lot of fun with it. The audio quality is a little bit off because, as you can guess, Skype and Audacity, when you mix it, if you don't do it right, it does get fucked up, so I do apologize in the beforehand hope you guys enjoy and check out alphacounter.com and sparkin at www.sparkin.com hope you guys enjoy and let's start the show what does this say this episode contains adult language mature circumstances gun-toting religious Irishmen with admission from God, a cross-dressing criminal analyst FBI agent, crude shite, gangsters, Charles Bronson references, the Duke of St. Patrick's Day, and the fucking hell, the funny man. Spark and Movie Review, episode 78. 
Where's my cat? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Movie Review, some podcasts inventing reviews about kinetically enhanced narratives. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa and what's up, and today we have a very special guest from Method Madness and Alpha Counter. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, it's no problem. So, what is new on uh, Alpha Counter? Anything interesting? Because the last one was your Taken episode. Yeah, we recently did uh, an episode uh, covering Taken 2, because that had just come out. Uh, we have a bunch of things we're working on. Uh, I have two podcasts of my own, which is which is Methods of Madness, and also uh, Alpha Counter. Uh, every now and then, I'm a guest over on uh, I Just Had a Terrible Thought. Uh, but we're also working on things like uh, like a live thing on YouTube or something. Put that together. Uh, just did some voiceover deals for like uh, some kind of machinima that we put together for think, battlefield of some kind. And, and just, I have a very full place. I, I need to fold my role. Hey, well, we're all, it's getting out as much as we can. Hey. It could be worse. You could be appearing on some show like uh, the old, now defunct Weeaboos podcast. How long did that last? I don't know, five months? <laughs> two episodes? Yeah, probably. Something like that. Yep. And where can we find these podcasts? Uh, our home base is over at alphacounter.com, although uh, sometimes we'll see Mr. Demand is posted at animation3000.com. But alphacounter.com is pretty much where you can find it. And um, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, you can find any of our earlier podcasts at the www.spirekin.com. You can email us, spirekin at gmail.com, or me at zanspirekin.com. Yours is uh, AC, pod- AC Podcast at Alpha Counter. Oh, yeah, if you want to reach us by email, there's also the Twitter of at Alpha Counter, Facebook.com slash Alpha Counter. Again, alphacounter.com has all the links that you need. Cool. Uh, also, if you want to sponsor our podcast, we have an Amazon store, uh, amazon.com forward slash shops forward slash Spirekin, and you can buy some of the movies we've reviewed. I'm just adding right now the uh, Boondock Saints DVD if you want to get it. All the money goes back t- into the podcast so I can afford to get new mics and new equipment. So uh, we should rant a little bit, but you know what? Fuck that. Let's get into this movie because this movie's hysterical, funny, and bizarre at the same time. Oh yeah, and the, speaking of which, the director and writer is this guy named Troy Duffy who made this movie for $7 million. And the take-home for opening weekend was, the whole box office was $23,000. Yeah, I had never heard of this movie until about three or four years after the fact, uh, when it came out on DVD. Yeah, I found out about it through a friend of mine who knew I was into movies, and he's like, hey, you gotta watch this movie, it's pretty awesome, it's pretty cool, it's this, like, it's up your alley, and I saw it in, like, a dollar store, and then suddenly it, it explodes, and everyone's like, have you seen this movie, it's awesome. I got a, I got a level with you, I saw this, and it always been typed up to me as, like, this major, like, counterculture film, like, if, you, if you're into, like, rebellion and counterculture, this is one of the must-see movies for that, and I watched it, and I got it it just seems like it's an interesting film. It's got amazing performances and amazing actors in it. Uh, but by the time I was watching, it was like, this is, this is just a vigilante movie. It's a bunch of guys fed up with how cops are doing their jobs and clean up the streets and just get along their own hands. Yeah, and they kind of go crazy. And speaking of which, we should, well, let's get into some of these actors who are in there. We got um, Ron Jeremy's in this movie. Uh, well, he'll do anything. <laughs> It's like, I'm not a porn star anymore. I'm not. He'll tell you to. 
Yeah, and then half the time you see me, he's like, I want to do other things in my life. I suddenly picture him trying to do, like, Shakespeare or some shit. Uh, you got, um, a bunch of nobodies, including, uh, Bob Marley. No, not the singer. Playing a, uh, Detective Duffy. You have, uh, David Ferris, who was in Three Men and a Baby and The Stupids. I think that's one of, uh, I think John Paul talks about that movie a lot. I've never even seen it. Which one? The Stupids? Yeah. Oh, God, that's, that's the one with, uh, Tom Marley in it, and there's... Well, I think the only thing that he's really known for is in the trailer, it has a song of how he's his own grandpa. There's some convoluted and shit that went on. What the... Okay, that is... Well, it's Tom Arnold, so I shouldn't be surprised. Um, surprisingly, Doc from the Fraggle Rocks is in this as a really just fucking crazy bartender. Well, that's a red central. That's why he's constantly cussing. Like, all of his outbursts are from that. Although it was kind of funny that he played Doc on Fraggle Rock and his character in Moondog Saints is also Doc. So I'm now wondering, is this what happened after he after the Fraggles left? He kind of went fucking crazy and said, I'm going to open up a bar. Fuck shit! Well, you know, it, it's a really tough game to get into being an inventor. That's supposedly what Doc was manning the White House for his friend or whatnot. I can only imagine that uh, possibly the Fraggles didn't really exist. They were a manifestation of his own hallucinations and going as a yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that would be just so now. Now I'm picturing this now. Suddenly, um, if they, if just him talking to no one in this Sprocket, not even existing, like, hey, Sprocket, uh, Doc, who are you talking to? My dog. Okay. Does the dog talk back? <laughs> oh man, I mean, that was he was the one of the shocking actors in this, um, but uh. Anyway, so we also have Billy Connolly in this movie, which I think he's slumming it in this. That was kind of cool that he plays a, a character that is normally so out of his wheelhouse. I mean, typically, he plays one of like the token Irish characters because I think there's possibly five Irish actors in one. I'm surprised he didn't get like um, Call of Duty into this movie. Uh, he might have still been too busy with Deep Space Nine. Uh, but yeah, Billy Connolly is uh, one of those token actors where if you have like, a, a bunch of Irish holes in it, and instead of being just like either like a, a bar team or uh, the Irish partner in a cop movie or whatnot, he plays a freaking mad, like, monster assassin. Yeah, and he's not funny, which is bizarre, because he's, generally you watch him, he is the, uh, he's a major stand-up comedian, he's hysterical, and this, he's just, you know, doesn't have dialogue till the end of the movie. I remember when I first saw him, he like, of that old '80s sitcom head of the class. Yeah. And he was in there like the last season and a half. Yeah, and I vaguely remember that back in the day. That was late '80s. Just about yeah. Yeah, no. It's uh, first time I saw him was actually in his stand-up uh, routine, a long time ago. Just seemed to go from that to hardcore killer. Like they are wheeling him out, almost Hannibal Lecter style, out of his jail cell uh, before he goes on parole, and. You see him, he doesn't say a word, but just the way they, they frame him, you are terrified of this man. Yeah, and you don't even recognize him at first until his face goes up, and you're like, wait, is that? Nah, it can't be. Just a guy who looks like him. And then when he talks, you're like, holy shit, it's him. The other person who's kind of slumming it is is William Defoe. But this is also when he was kind of in his, before he really peaked, because this is right after The Last Temptation. Right, right. Yeah, he hadn't hit that. Oh, no, what is the was uh, late 80s. About 10 years before this. 
Yeah, wait, this is 2000, that's right. So it was after American Psycho, then, because he wasn't that. Probably, yeah. Although I did like William Defoe's version of Jesus. He's like the hardcore, I used to believe in love. Now I believe in this. Wielding a fucking battle. <laughs> William Defoe, he's not really the star. Well, you could argue he's the star. He certainly steals this movie. In more ways than one, and in other times, you just look at him like, what the f- Let's, he's like a car accident. You watch him at some point, you're like, I want to look away, but I can't. He really gets into the role. It's almost like he is, he is in love with the character that he is playing. And he doesn't hold back at all. If, he, if he's looking at he doesn't let it show. No, he doesn't. And the other options they had were Robert De Niro and Patrick Swayze for that character. Could you imagine uh, De Niro in this? I can almost imagine him in that role. Patrick Swayze? No, not at all. No, 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 no. That was when he was... No. At that point, he was done. Uh, the last two, uh, last three actors you have is you have Rocco, whose real name was David Bella Rocco. They've made the character specifically for him. Yeah, and he was just, he was, I think, one of the funnier highlights of the film. Because he's someone who, he's not a real actor, but he's like one of those people you know who's just a fuck-up. And you're like, what's wrong with you, dude? Right. He's, he's kind of like a goofy sidekick. But do they kind of keep around just because they kind of feel sorry for him? He's, he's sweet, and it's like, well, he's, it's, it's, it's our own. Yeah, and he causes a lot of the problems. Of the means to their end. Yes, exactly. He is the means to their ends. He's their he is their answer to a lot of their quote unquote prayers. Because this movie is also, um, if you think about it, on one hand, it's a vigilante movie. On the other hand, this is the possible either it's a religious experience with these two men, or it's about two delusional psychopaths. I mean, there's another film that isn't related to this called. Uh, it's starring Matthew McConaughey. What the hell is the name of it? It's a movie. It's a horror movie, even though it's not really a horror movie. I think it's actually a really shitty movie. It's about a guy who believes that he is that God has told him to find evil people and kill them, and God will protect them by giving him these holy objects, which are he finds an axe in the ground at one place, he finds a pair of gloves, and he finds a pipe. He suddenly become oh fragility. I was saying he finds all the pieces for the clue board game. Almost, except the except, and he goes and he's able to see evil people, right. and he touches them and they become a demon and he kills them. Brings out their true form. No, it's like he actually finds a person, then just kills them, and you don't know if he's a, a psychopath or a murderer. And you, the entire movie, you're wondering if he's crazy or not, if he's just a guy. Who, oh, he sees demons and he kills them, or if he's just uh, really disturbed and. Yes, and then at the end of the movie, it gives you the hint, the fact that no one remembers what he looks like. All the cameras mysteriously turn off as he's walking past, because the guy that he finds is a homicidal maniac. So, you don't know. Exactly. This film's similar to that, where you don't know if these guys are just completely crazy, or if they really had a religious experience where God told them to do this. I don't know. I think that they felt that they were doing God's work, because well, one thing, they're Catholic. I mean, what, coming from kind of a myself, uh, kind of buy into just things being ordained, and uh, especially if you believe yourself to be a saint, uh, they think that they're doing God's work on the streets. They're cleaning up evil when the local authorities are unable to, so they're just going to uh, take it into their own hands, and like everyone in the neighborhood calls them angels because they come in and smite evil and take it off of the streets. And I don't know if it, there's an element that they believe in, or it's ever suggested in the movie that uh, God actually had a presence and a, uh, a participation in 
their actions, but uh, you can easily you know, buy in that they believe that they are doing God's work. But also, I wouldn't say that they're, say, crazy people who have snapped. These are people who are in uh, a really shitty neighborhood who have been oppressed by the mafia and had their prayers and their, their cries for help unanswered by those who can help or should be able to help them. And these are two people who are just pushed over the edge, and they're like, we're mad as hell, and we're not going to take it anymore. And they start, you know, flexing their own muscle. And then the result, they cause this huge controversy where everyone's warning, are they right, are they wrong? Because this is true, the statement that they make in the movie, but we'll get into that in a bit. Now, these two guys playing fraternal twins, which I was like, really? Fraternal twins? They could have just... They could have just done one actor and just done kind of like the parent trap deal, but they said... Exactly. But no, instead they go with, let's go with um, Daryl from The Walking Dead, uh, Norman Reedus, and young Indiana Jones himself, Sean Patrick Flannery. Oh God, was he young Indiana Jones? I really forgot about that. Yeah, he was. It's so weird seeing them grow up. Yeah, no, it is. It's just like, you're like, wait, I remember him from, holy shit, he looks different. And it's such a different role, because before he's, I'm Indi- I'm a young Indiana Jones, I'm going to essentially solve this crime and do this thing like a Scooby-Doo-esque situation. I'm going to find the artifact, save the day, and be awesome, to I'm going to go kill a fucking mobster. Yeah. In a porn den, or in his own house, or, uh, what was the first one, uh... In a in a Rambo esque hijinks, <laughs> with right. which I think was well, and uh, alley. yep, and in the first uh, and what's the title of this movie? Since they've been wondering, we've been babbling for ten minutes. <laughs> I like to call it "Where's my cat?" <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think that's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, the Boondock Saints, uh, which has actually a sequel, which is terrible. Yeah, it came out like ten years after the fact. I have yet to see that. Um, all you gotta see is just watch uh, Rocco's uh, speech from it, and that's the best part of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, he comes back in their mind, so it shows they're kind of already a little crazy, because they're talking to Rocco, and he's dead. Yeah. And the cat's back, too. Wait, the same cat? Yes, the same cat with the collar. That can't be the same cat. Uh, well, uh, it's their... Cr- Well, maybe it's a zombie cat like in Pet Cemetery. No, remember he was like he was telling the girlfriend, "What's the fucking cat's name? What's the cat's fucking name?" Uh, he was already high strung as it was. I mean, he was just crazy. I mean, because he just killed. Well, so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So for those of you who don't know. As we said, Boonock Saints about two guys who live in a rough neighborhood. They're, they're Irish-born, moved to the United States. They have a mother who's completely a drunk psychopath that they actually cut out of the whole movie. No, the deleted scenes have her, them calling her on her birthday to begin with, and she gets so pissed off, she takes a gun out, cocks it, and just shoots it, shoots it, and they hear this over the phone. They think she blew her own head off, and she's doing it to fuck with them. Yeah, but um, they moved to the United States, they, they work in a meat factory, and they're very knowledgeable in things that most meat packers shouldn't know. <laughs> I don't know, if you're living in some kind of major, like, urban area where you have a melting pot of different cultures, it makes some sense to me that they would be multilingual to some extent. Uh, true, but I mean, 
Spanish. I, I'd understand Spanish, Irish, English, but then Italian and Russian? Uh, well, one Russian I would buy because their town is so heavily controlled and influenced by the Russian mafia and that culture. But you're, you're right. It, it does cast the suspension, the suspension of disbelief when they're learning and able to speak fluently at least seven languages. And they're also amazing shots. I mean, but also if you think about it, the fact that they're, um, they, what their bloodline is, you know, they might have been taught things beforehand. We don't know. We'll never know. I mean, the fact that he recognized them, you're like, really? <laughs> After a while. Yeah, first, I'm gonna shoot you and try and kill you, then, <gasps> dun dun dun! Spoiler. <laughs> From a distance, you know, I couldn't really tell. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, well, you know what? Ten-year rule, fuck it, we'll spoil it. Uh, like, how the fuck he doesn't know he's, they're his kids? I mean, he sees the tattoos, he hears, it takes until, oh, you guys are my kids, because you're doing the, uh, the prayer I taught you. Right, we're talking about Billy Conley's character, uh, this, this monster assassin who has just been released from prison. Turns out to be between his long-lost father, and there's a point where the Russian mafia has, has hired him to take out the brothers, just after they brothers have taken out another group of uh, mafioso, and it's one of these where I, I, they have this really awesome, glorious scene in front of the house, and the way they even film it, they have Willem Dafoe kind of telling the story as it happens, and he's kind of injected into the scene, and there's this operatic music, and it's this glorious thing, but then you realize, between the two brothers and Rocco, and then this amazing assassin, which who knows? He's been in a gulag, and he just they just let him out, and he's suddenly badass. <laughs> yeah, and he might be a little rusty because he only lands like barely any kind of hits, and he raises one of each of them. Really, he takes off Rocco's finger. <laughs> yeah, but like he's totally like six guns, and he's a master assassin. He whips one brother, he gets the other one in the leg, and then knocks off uh, Rocco's finger in a fucking lucky shot. Yeah, he's probably like, oh, it's been a while, uh. Yeah, well, maybe it's the arthritis. He's like, I gotta focus and in pain. Ugh. But then that kind of like, you know, that's, that's, it goes, uh, it follows through the family because here you have the two brothers, uh, together, both building two pistols each, striking one target, which is their father, and they, well, they don't know the time, it's one guy. I'm gonna have to go with uh, protagonist uh, Shield number X because he is a you know or I mean they both got the good guy hit essentially they both got hit in the arms or in the shoulders Rocco was a red shirt we knew that from the beginning um, but at the same time I suppose it is movie magic because if, if they didn't have all the bullets fly and don't make any hit we wouldn't have that beautiful shootout scene. Oh yeah, no, and also it was conjecture. We don't know if there was something else going on. If the kid had come by, it was just essentially what um, uh, what the hell uh, Smecker was thinking happened. He constructed it. It wasn't like before. Talking about Willem Dafoe. Yep. He was assuming that uh, there were six guys. He, he was hesitant. He didn't even believe it. Uh, ironically, with the cops, it was one guy. It was actually Billy Cullen. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, yeah, uh, Agent. Six guns. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, but that guy had like how many? He was like batting zero, uh, one to a thousand at that point. He's like, he's like, they were zero crushed by some really huge guy. 
Yeah, there's a fucking, there's a freaking broken toilet lid right there. Yeah, I almost wanted to applaud because it's like, oh, I finally got it right. They find out later, when he says, he's like, there was only one guy, he doesn't look like, oh shit, I gotta apologize to Greenlee. <laughs> he's like, oh fuck, he was in trouble. Um, so, like we said, they, um, they run, St. Patrick's Day, these two brothers run afoul of the Russian mob, this guy named Chekhov, and I love that line, they said, okay, we got a McCoy, you're Chekhov, we got a McCoy, all he needs is Spock, and we got an away team. <laughs> A nice roll. They get into a bar fight, and these Russian mobsters decide to go a little bit further, and they get angry, and they try try to kill the brothers. One thing leads to another. Big fight. They end up coming on top over the mobsters, but this leads to a greater. Um, well, they have a religious experience where earlier in the film, a priest was talking about Kenny Javis, uh, who, for those of you who don't know. Years ago, there was a woman who was pretty much killed outside of her apartment building. And everyone saw it, and they did nothing. So this leads to them realizing they have to protect the innocent, and they gotta just weed out all the evil to do it. Right. The evil only succeeds when good men do nothing. They realize that we've gotta do something. But then on the other hand, if you think about it, when someone does try to do something, the law tries to stop them no matter what. I mean, or they think you're a lunatic-like. Look at all the people who become superheroes! Right. Yeah, it's like, just look at them like they're crazy. Or you say, oh, they're just a vigilante who's a murderer, like the Punisher. I mean, that would be what a real superhero would be. A guy just finds mobsters, kills them. And that's what these guys decide to do. And I love the kind of meta humor, the fact that they point out things that happen in movies, and it happens that way, and then they're like, this isn't how real life works. It's somehow happening in this movie as well. Yeah, it's like, uh, what was it? The the rope. The fucking rope. <laughs> it's like whenever you see a superhero movie, someone's gonna have a line. It's like, what do you think, this is a fucking comic book? And it's the same thing here, but it's uh, it works a little bit better, I think, because it is a little more um, more indie. And that's a dumb word for me to use, but that's a... it's, it's not like anyone has any super abilities or even like uh, it's not like the Punisher where like he just gets mad one day and suddenly he's a freaking Batman. These are guys who are street smart and they have a, they're a little bit savvy in terms of. Uh, uh, forensics and uh, making sure, like, doing hits and whatnot. But, honestly, most of what you see in the movie could possibly happen. Yeah, it's true completely. Most, It's all plausible. It's, I mean, and some of the things they do are very intelligent. I mean, for example, when they get shot from El Duce, Billy Connolly's character, he runs off, and the first thing they do is their blood is sprayed everywhere. First thing they do is they grab out a little spray bottle with ammonia and spray it so that they can't be tracked. Right. Make it. At least they could, they could, I believe what they were describing is that they could probably have a match, but because the ammonia contaminates the sample, it would be inadmissible as evidence. So they really, they technically have nothing. Yeah, and it was uh, the only reason why he, why Agent Smecker, uh, William Defoe, found them was because, well, there's a finger there, and yeah, you know, and uh, Rocco's character was a known criminal. A stupid criminal, but he was a criminal, and they had the match. I said, okay, it's got to be because he was associated with these guys, and these guys done it before, and that's it. Overall, you said that you felt that the movie was a little over... Well, not overblown. Was, um... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, the reputation didn't, it didn't really live up to the hype. Maybe it's only because of the people and the, the crowds that I'd heard it from. Like I said, I, I had heard this, this kind of toted as some major... Uh, fuck yeah, counterculture movie, but it was really just a vigilante flick. If, if, when I think 
uh, counterculture, I think something more along the lines of Fight Club or, or like the punk scene, but these are two guys who just push over the edge and became vigilantes, and that that's not quite the same thing. It's not. It's more of a, not documentary, but it's almost a statement about the world today, because I think that um, the director wanted to just point out the fact that this is something that maybe maybe it's like he believes. Maybe Troy Duffy believes that there are, should be people like this in every city, where, you know, you have these muggers, these rapists, who get off on technicalities, they get arrested, they do it again, they get arrested. I mean, perfect example, in New York State, there was a cop that was recently killed in Long Island, and his murderer was arrested for a different murder and got off on a technicality. Yeah. And, you know, he gets away, and, I mean, I'm, su- I'm surprised the cops didn't just shoot him and say, oh, he was resisting arrest. When they arrested him, I'm like, really? You didn't even... I mean, he had... And he's... Yeah, no. Of course not. Of course not. But, but still, I mean, you know, you could say, oh, he resisted arrest. We didn't know, you know? It's like... I don't know. Or, or he... Oh, he fell and he shot himself because he was trying to get sympathy. He said he was mugged. Right. <laughs> we don't know. But point is that you want, in the back of our head, that reptilian part of our brain, we want that straight up, that motherfucker to get killed. We want that child rapist to be... We don't want justice. We want vengeance. Exactly. We want that spirit of vengeance, but not Nicholas Cage. <laughs> well, one thing I gotta bring up about this movie, and uh, I, I don't really know if this was a creative choice on the director, or if it was there was some kind of technical issue, but you ever notice that a lot of scenes just have sudden fade-outs, like they're kind of reach the end of the scene and then just kind of fades out and then stops? Yeah, it doesn't even transition, it's just kind of like an abrupt... I, I had a lot of... that was starting to kind of great on my nerves, because it's not like it became a regular theme of that's how all the scenes ended. It was just like maybe three or four of them that ended that way. And it makes it... It stands out. It makes the... That, I don't know if it's the editing or whatever you want to call it. I think it's cinematography was just a little choppy at that point. Yeah, it, it seems kind of sloppy. If it was like a direct... Whether it was for technical issues or a creative choice, uh, it seemed like he just couldn't write or put together an end or transition of a scene uh, and then transition it into another scene. It's kind of like um, like Rob Liefeld can't draw feet, so he doesn't. So instead of writing it into a scene, he just says, this is it, the end, and it goes on from there. Yeah, there are so many ways he could have transitioned it and made it look better. And, and there are some scenes where it transitions beautifully, but just like, I don't know, maybe it was an off day, maybe it was his assistant was doing it because he was getting a blowjob in the back, I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying it was, it was noticeable, and it was like, yeah, I'm hypersensitive, it's like, alright, that's gonna bug me, that doesn't work. No, 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 I agree with you, it was one of the little drawing things. The other thing is the film kind of drags. Eh, it was alright, it, it seemed to be paced okay, I, I think the jarring... Uh, abrupt stops affected the pacing. But beyond that, it felt about as long as it was. Someone, uh, one of my other co-hosts, said that they would have preferred the movie to be about 20 minutes shorter. I... What was it? Uh, the full film was... About two hours? Was it 90... Two, it's about one hour, 50 minutes. Okay, yeah, that's, that's close to the two-hour mark. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree that you could probably scale it back to 90... Uh, there are some things that are probably not as essential, but it, it felt about as long as it was. Yeah, no, I I think that um maybe cut off from the scenes of, this, those filler scenes, like 
when they're waiting for Rock at the apartment and the girlfriend comes back. I don't think they needed that. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct myself right now. I think the movie should have been 20 minutes longer and have all those 20 minutes be Doc. Yeah, okay. More Doc. Oh, yes. He... I did, in my heart. No, Doc should have been a major, more prevalent instead of the only four scenes of him saying, He gave me this. <laughs> he gave me this. Oh, fuck it, he gave me this. I, I almost wanted to see a Willem Dafoe and Doc in the same room interacting. With, with Willem Dafoe and his idiosyncrasies and Doc with his Tourette's syndrome and foul mouth. Oh, that would have made the movie you Have those two try to have a dialogue together. Oh, God. But would it be William Defoe in, the dr- in drag? It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Probably the signature of this movie. And it, 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 despite it not living up to the reputation that I was given of it being a counterculture movie, it is a great film, mostly because of William Defoe's performance as this uh, gay cross-dressing cop who is still a super badass. And he's just he you don't he's just completely out there. I mean, from him listening to La Boheme and just describing the scene or the scene where he's the guy's cuddling with me. He's like, "What the fuck's wrong with you, you fag?" I know, right? Yeah, it's like an instrument mode. What? <laughs> yeah, then uh, the what was it? The uh, not the fag man quote. Uh, what was the other one? The... I imagine Willem Dafoe is a power top easily. Oh yeah, no, he is a top definitely. Power top. Super cop, power top. One of my favorite scenes with William Defoe was the scene in the confessional. Mm-hmm. I'm Catholic background. I like the fact that it had that kind of priest explaining. You know, you can be sarcastic, but it's more. It takes more more integrity to stand up and be, and show you believing because you feel that this was right, and it's almost that he comes to the epiphany that even though that the priest is being held by gunpoint to kind of tell him this is good. It's kind of a nice interaction. I like it because it almost has that little bit of sense of danger to it, but it has that other aspect of it, which it's kind of almost of he comes to the epiphany on his own, if that makes sense. It has, it has some sincere heart to it, even though he's under duress. Oh, yeah. No, and uh, the, just Rocco being stupid was hysterical, and then afterwards being like, just get the fuck out of my church. Just get out. <laughs> also, speaking of which, I can't believe the fact that this movie had 267 fucks in the movie. Altogether? Well, 265 of them were docked. Yeah, the other. No, I'm not gonna say 250, because remember that one dialogue where it was just fucking fuck that. What the fuck, you fucking 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 fuck. No, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah which was which is one of uh, Rocco's best scenes because he really was. He's funny, but he's just kind of like at times you're like, what the fuck. He's one of those doofy loser friends where he's not a bad guy and he's not a complete. He's just like, ah, oh, dude, come on. He's, he's just like, just not savvy enough, or he's just up in his own head, and it's like, he's he's kind of like the, the, the weakest link of the bunch. Yeah, and he's the one that you knew was going to be the red shirt from the beginning. It wasn't a surprise. I mean, it's... it's At some point, it, it's like, he's dumb, but God bless him, he's got a part, we love him. He's like that dumb little brother or cousin of yours. And, yeah, throughout the movie, even the first time watching it, like, this guy's going to die... At some point, it takes a while, but he's going to drop off, and they're just going to be so heartbroken and pissed off that they've lost their doofy friend who, who just didn't know Benny better. You know, he, he just he just couldn't make the cut, and then you know, his life was taken too short and too soon by these assholes, and they have to go and avenge him for the final act. And you felt bad for him. That's the thing. Usually, there's characters that they insert like this that you just you you can't wait for them to die, but it still came as a shock. 
It's like, dude, you didn't deserve to die, but maybe it was for the best. I mean, you weren't really doing very well with the life you've been given. Yeah, I mean, he had three opportunities to to prove himself, and the first time, what did he do? He gropes a freaking unconscious stripper's tit? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I would have done it too. <laughs> I'm saying, it's like it's harmless. <laughs> yeah, then the, the, the one with the psycho in the in the, the clubhouse uh, with, with the cue ball, they're like, let's let him handle it. Is it your time? <laughs> this is what editing's for. I don't know if he's still recording. I may be on mute. But that'd be amazing. So, podcasts are enjoying the show so far. I certainly am. But then, I'm on the unique position of being on the show. I mean, it's kind of different. I suppose, once I listen back to it, eh, I don't know, I'm so self-conscious. I still may enjoy it, but I might have to listen to myself. So where were we? Oh, yes, that is where. Yes, Rocco was definitely taken too soon, and he was just one of... I do like that he um, was a character who was... Uh, a nice plot device to get into the mob because he knew everybody in in there. He was a nice. He wasn't just oh, he's just a doofy friend. He was kind of the middle management guy who knew everybody, and that kind of worked for the film's advantage. And it flew nice. It wasn't just suddenly oh, we just know because of magic. Well, he made a bad reputation for himself. Uh, he had a name out there, the Funny Man. Yep, the Funny Man with one of the funniest and most racist jokes I've ever heard. I'm having a shitty day. I'm depressed. Tell me a funny joke. Now? A joke? Uh, um, uh, a joke, yeah, all right. Um, there's these uh, three guys, a uh, 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 speck, uh, 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 a white guy, and a black guy. Danger! Yeah, yeah. And, and they walk along the beach. They see this pot. They rub it. Genie comes out. You know, you wish for anything you want. So they ask uh, a Mexican what, what he wants, and he goes, uh, uh, I want uh, all my people for, in America to be happy and free and in Mexico. And so, Gene, poof, all the specs are in Mexico. And then he asks a black guy, Nigger. Yeah, that's what I said. Goes to the uh, uh, Nigger, says, uh, What do you want? And he goes, um, uh, I want all my. African, my nigger brothers in America to be back in Africa and, and happy and everything, you know. So she goes poof, and um, all the niggers in America are in Africa, and uh, 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 this is gone. I'm, I'm not funny today. I, I know I'm having a hard day. I, 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 this joke sucks. It's, it's, a, it's a stupid joke. Continue the joke. So the genie says to the white guy, uh, um, what's your one wish? And the white guy goes, you mean to tell me all the niggas and specks are out of America? Genie goes, yeah. He says, well, um, I'll have a Coke then. I love how Ron Jeremy's like, the nigga. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the boss's word. You gotta take it. 
Yeah, and he's like, it's like a sort of speck of the nigger, and then just at one point it looks like Papa uh, Yacovetti is going to pull out a gun and kill him right there. Then just, I'll have a coke. Then he gets it, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, okay, he's safe. Then tell me another one. What? I would have liked to have heard what his other joke would have been. Well, oh, I just found out apparently Kevin Spacey was supposed to be Paul Schmecker originally. Oh, oh, was that Willem Dafoe's character? Yep. I can see him doing that. I mean, especially coming off of the usual suspects. I can see him doing that. Yeah, but I don't think he'd take it the same route. I don't think he would have gone the cross-dressing route. Oh, I, I totally believe he would take it that route. You think he would? I don't know. I think he would. I, I think he would take it... I don't know if he would make the exact same choices, but he would put as much emotion and uh, he would take that role when it came to reenacting the uh, the crime scenes and describing what went down. And if, if if when it came to the scene of him having to cross dress to get into it, he would have owned it. He would have made it his. He may not have looked as pretty as Will Brenton, but Nah, well, William Defoe. His best shot. Yeah, well, I don't, I think that uh, Kevin Spacey did. It. The fact I would have. That's why he didn't get the part because that was part of the dress rehearsal of like casting. It's like, all right, we're gonna have you do a line read. Uh, we're gonna have some uh, costume uh, shots, and uh, because the the role calls for, we're gonna take a couple shots of you in drag. And boom, boom. Kevin Spacey, we love you. You're a talented actor, but not a pretty woman. Yeah. Yeah, the fat guy who was supposed to be in the scene with him was like, yeah, I don't find him attractive at all, fuck that. <laughs> like, yeah, but I, I, it, it's not getting hard. But then Wimfo, ooh, that's kind of hot. And, well, I don't know, just... <laughs> well, Willem Dafoe, as a woman in drag, looks like one of those Jersey women that, uh, she's probably 30 years old, but because she's been chain-smoking and tanning for all her life, she looks like she's 55. Yeah, she looks like that freak woman who took her kid to the tanning booth. Right, right. Yeah, like that freakish. But uh, I agree completely that he that he. It's, it's not the age; it's the mileage. My God. Hey, at least it wasn't like uh, Hugo Weaving in drag, or uh, who was the other one? Uh, Patrick Swayze in drag. I mean, we've seen Patrick Swayze in drag. Also, uh, Hugo Weaving. Oh, when was that? What movie was that? Priscilla, uh, Queen of the Desert. Hugo Weaving was in that. Yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, the only reason why I know that is because an ex-girlfriend of mine made me watch that after I forced her to... Not forced her. I got her to watch uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I'm a... Never look at Agent Smith the same way again. No, especially... No. If you watch it, you'd be like, no, 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 no. You're you're not intimidating anymore. You're not intimidating. You're not... Not even as hell, Ron, you're intimidating. You're just... Hi there! Actually, now that I think about it, you know who my second choice would be for Willem Dafoe's character if Willem Dafoe couldn't make it? John Leguizamo. Yeah. <laughs> He's the kind of character actor that he would put his ball into that. And he could pull up being drag. Oh, yeah, no. He'd be a... He was... Well, in his prime, he was good. Lately, not so much. I mean... Leguizamo was a pretty man. Yeah, and uh, Tu Wong Fu. And, but, like I said, now he's not really good acting. I mean, The Happening... Oh, I totally missed the happening. Did he have, like, some cop crime show that he was really good in? Uh... Years ago? He was good in that. Oh, that was a... Cr- oh, the crime, that, uh, miniseries. Yeah, he was, uh, He was decent in that. Then there was a movie he did last year, the one about the lights going off, and then you get taken by people. Uh, Disappearance on, uh, 34th Street or something. Oh, that's another one I missed. It was in theaters for one day, and it made, like... It's, it's it, like one where Santa Claus is kidnapping. <laughs> oh, no, 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 this is... The chill, uh, he comes down the chimney, tosses you in the sack, and goes back up. <laughs> yeah, oh no! And then you don't know what happens. The next day, you... 
I do believe it's Santa. Where's Liam Neeson when you need him? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you did, Santa, but I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna kill you. Hollywood, get on the line. Send us money, we'll make a movie. Yeah, we're going down that precipice. Of, we're going down that chimney. Oh yeah. But back to Boondock Saints. This movie had five fights in it, including the bar fight. I'm going to say, out of them, which one do you think was the mo the best shot and which was the most fun? Oh, for both my answers, I'm going to do the one where they take out the, not the nine mob guys. Uh, that, that was especially fun to watch. Yeah, no, especially with the fact that it starts off where they're fighting amongst themselves in the duct above them, and that leads to everything going to hell. And then afterwards, they totally fuck with Rocco. <laughs> I always loved that bit. It was like, wait, you brought a six-shot revolver to take out nine guys. What are we going to do with the last three? <laughs> yeah, laugh from the death funny man? Yeah. Yeah, they fucked with him so much, and it just and then they got their money. They saw, oh, what's in the little weak case? And they just don't act like, they act like brothers, and I like that they had that chemistry with them going. You know, they had that punching in uh, a lot of the deleted scenes had them fucking with each other in different ways, and also it had the scene in the uh, in the beginning with the uh, with the giant dyke, and that scene's pretty funny. It's on Glee now. Yeah, she totally deserved the punch to the fucking face the way she is. Cause she she went for the kick to the balls and the punch to the face, so she deserved to be just fucking knocked the fuck out. Yes. Nah, but again, we digress. We're going towards that tangent train, and uh, for those of you playing the home game, remember every time we go to tangent, take a shot. That's usually how we get off the tangent. Train. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I usually, uh, you know, right now I'm drinking some scotch. Uh, what are you going with? Are you drinking anything, or are you sober? I'm going straight tonight, man. Nah, I had to. I needed a little bit. Be a late night podcast. Nah, I needed. I needed this today because I found out that uh, my co, well, one of my coworker uh, got fired, which I was happy about. But then on the other hand, they just told me, yeah, we need to evaluate your performance. So I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully I can fix everything up. But, again, this is stuff which, yeah, fingers crossed, I mean. I love doing podcasting, but I, if it paid the money, I think it would be awesome. I think all of us would be happy. <laughs> the only person I don't think would be would be Daryl Surratt, but that's, again, another... <laughs> another he's always miserable. Yeah, he's just curmudgeonly and just angry. I mean, he he called us for our 100th episode. He was ranting and raving, like, you guys reached fucking 100 before us? Like, Technically, you guys reached way fucking before us. Well, say, so did we. I mean, yeah, we made a special dose. Yeah, we all did. We're like, well, maybe if you did more than more than three podcasts per year. Yeah, no, they they those lag times are way too bad. I mean, we're just behind because uh, in the website we're behind because our editor. But back to back to this total thing. That was a good firefight, but I think the most fun firefight or fight was the bar fight. So my, my second choice would have been the. Uh, Oh, with the white fucking herb. <laughs> yeah, we got a cowboy. Yeah, no, it's it's a good one. I I don't know the fire uh, the the bar fight just was fun because I mean you don't expect that to happen and also you had just you, if you see a bar fight it's always fun you got a bunch of things going on at once and also they got creative. I mean, who would think to strap a guy down, cover his ass with vodka, and then light it up? It also has a sense of camaraderie because it's not just the two brothers. Everyone in the bar, kind of representing the town that uh, they live in, uh, gets in on it and helps them out. The brothers fighting for themselves. It's uh, even though it takes place at the top of the film, it shows that everyone in the community is kind of on board and tired of these mafia guys pushing them around. 
Yeah, and it's their friend Doc. It's their protecting him because he's family. Uh, speaking of the feelings of the town, I love the fact, and it was ingenious, that at the end of the film, the director actually went out and actually asked people what they thought, uh, just like a documentary, saying, we're doing a documentary, what do you think about this scenario? And they asked people what they thought about about the vigilantes known as the Saints, and they just... It's a valid controversy. I mean, you even kind of see it pop up in other superhero movies. It's kind of like you, you see those uh, fake news reels of people describing it's like whether or not Spider-Man and Batman are uh, heaven-sent angels to the community, or if they are menace that are vigilantes that may be acting on the side of good, but really they're acting for their own agenda and uh, being their own judge, really. You, you have to be judging what you feel. I mean, some people are very... There is that gray area where you can get away with this, but other people, they are very black and white, like killing someone is bad no matter what. You can't go down to that level. You can't go down to that murderous level of just wanting to take someone who bothers you out. But it's, it's also like some of the people being interviewed mentioned. It's like it, uh, we're always kind of against these horrible things until it happens to us. So typically, I, I'd probably say, yeah, I'd be against vigilante justice. But then if someone took out someone that I cared about uh, and the cops don't bust the guy, I'd say, like, well, I need someone who does. And I might be more inclined to lean up against vigilantes. We can all get up on our pedestals and our high horse until someone knocks us off. And the main thing is you just have to be realist, I think. And the only person who I think could get away with it is Liam Neeson. Well, yeah. He can do whatever. He's usually only going after one guy. And a bunch of people just getting in his way. Yeah, no, and it's just literally, and he will make the offer. You do good, you leave me alone, I won't kill you. But, I, would, I think we've taken a taken joke way too much, too far. Wait, no, there's no way to go too far with Liam Neeson. Unless it's Star Wars Episode 3. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's in that movie for .3 seconds. Uh, yeah, deleted scene. He was actually a voice talking to Yoda. Oh, okay. And supposedly he, they want to get him in episode seven. Good luck. I mean, yeah, good luck. I mean, they. I mean, I don't know. Star Wars. Well, you know, I don't know what's going on with with the mouse taking over. Uh-huh. But hopefully, in Kingdom Hearts, that would be great. Oh yeah! Instead of a, a keyblade, you get a lightsaber. Oh no! I want Indiana Jones in uh, Kingdom Hearts. That's what I'm looking for. Mm, which Jones? Though, which uh, you want? Uh, uh, Indiana Jones from. Temple of Doom. No, no, it's, it's, it's uh, Last Crusade. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Definitely the best of the movies, and uh, the sad thing is I saw that in theaters about a month ago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they had all four in a row, and that made me realize that Crystal Skull is a bad Indiana Jones movie, but it's not a bad movie. Yeah, I had problems with it as a film. Oh. The thing is, I, I, I watched all four in a row in a theater, which was awesome, but the thing is, Halfway through Last Crusade, I had, unfortunately, the popcorn and water and me not going to the bathroom hit me, so I had to run out right when they're escaping the castle. Best scene in the movie. And I'm like, fuck! <laughs> like, must hold it in, no cat! Ah! Gotta go! But anyway. Yes, spoiler. Anyway, let's go on. So, besides that, I think, uh, so who would you give MVP to this movie for? Who is the character, the actor or character that you think best, was best realized in this film or best designed in this film? Oh, it's it's so easy to just throw that at Willem Dafoe, but I'm giving it to Doug. Gerard Parks. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna... Even, even though he steals a joke from Biff Tannen from Back to the Future, still give him MVP. I'm gonna give it actually to... Ron Jeremy. No. 
Uh, no, I was. Uh, I don't want to give it to Ron Jeremy. He was sleazy and made me hate. Actually, no, wait, that actually works. No. That was super effective. He did his job right. I'm going with Bob Marley because he was just a douchebag. Because he was so. He's like, every time, uh, I, got, I got a theory. All right, I want a coffee. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I want an onion bagel with cream cheese. Fuck! Eventually, so I'm like, yeah, uh, you're going to drive me, be my chauffeur on my date for the next month. Oh, man. Who knows? I think he got MVP for the film, and then. If we're talking overall, it's going to be obviously fucking William Defoe. And then the brothers were amazing. I love Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery. I think they were really good in this film. I think they were some of the better actors. At, this is some of their best work, I think, compared to some of their newer stuff. Except for Walking Dead, but that's different. I mean, yeah. But, anywho. So, um, uh, oh, yes, completely forgot. The music. This soundtrack, I think, worked pretty well. Because it was just subtle enough where you really it hit you over the head. With the soundtrack, it worked where there the, the lulls where you didn't hear it, but the other parts, it accentuated the scene. What did you think? I was going to say that I think a sign that they got the soundtrack right is that I barely noticed it. Even the few times that I did, everything was so organic and fit with the rest of uh, the film and the scenes they were in that it just kind of all blended together. It mixed in such a great and subtle way that it just it worked. It, it worked so well, and also the opening theme, which is called uh, The Call of Chula... I can never fucking pronounce that name. Call of Cuchillian? Oh, God. I'm, so, I'm sorry, all Irish listeners. I, I'm a spick. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Hispanic. I talk Spanglish. I can't really enunciate Irish. My Irish broke sucks, so... Well, anyway. But the... Sorry, it's The Blood of Colcolian. But that opening theme, I think, was really good and it worked really well with the film that's a nice way to open up and show kind of that it just kind of set you up for you're gonna have a fun time because the movie is fun there you go it could be overrated but it's still it's a fun film and with that in mind let's get to that part most of you have been waiting for and that's our rating for the episode now for this podcast we have a five-point rating system we don't use numbers or or letters or stars or thumbs up or dicks up or whatever we got five ratings for how we think a movie's gonna be now our highest Okay, no problem. <laughs> um, if you're not going to use it, I mean, we, we might as well. The only time we used it was we used four dildos up for Rocky Heart, but that's again another. That's for that Rocky. Imitation dicks, sure. Nah, you know, you want to use a real dick, or or on the other hand, you could use a flesh lamp. Uh, four four flesh lamps up. Wait, no, that doesn't work. Uh, the 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 more big version of the flashlight. <laughs> yep. Uh, but okay, so. Our highest rating is really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't watch this right now, your blood will dry out, your brain will freeze, and your soul will be forfeited to the ninth layer of hell. Where blah, 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 blah. <laughs> pretty much, we're going to say that um, instead of Jar Jar Binks massaging your shoulders, it's just pretty much you get executed by Ron Jeremy using his gun. And I don't mean his thirty-eight. Uh, to our lowest rating, which is protest outside your local red box so no one rents this reprehensible piece of shit. Our other ratings are we have our middle of the ground, which is worth watching once in theaters or DVD. Have it on in the background while surfing the internet for porn, or borrow from a friend and don't return unless offered, and we're going to say Guinness. So, what would you give this film? Uh, if we were going by numbers, I would say it's... I had difficulty picking it, because I really, really had to go by... I read over these phrases, and the best I can figure is kind of like where a three and a half would be, in that I would say, rent it over the weekend, or borrow it indefinitely from a friend, but definitely return the DVD once you're done with 
Well, you can do that. That will we'll have that as our three point five. Then borrow from a friend and return it immediately afterwards. Yes. So you like so you liked it, but not that much. <laughs> yes, it was it was a good watch. I might watch it uh, a couple times, but after that, good. Eh, yeah, I own this movie. I enjoy it. I'll watch it once in a blue moon, but I'm not that crazed over it. I'm not like I have to watch it every year at the exact same date on St. Patrick's Day. This is a once in a while movie. Like if I'm gonna, it's like a rainy day movie. So I'm gonna have to give it our, you know, worth uh, worth watching once in theaters. Actually, you know, what? I'm gonna steal it. Fuck it. So ball from a friend in return once you're done. You know what? Fuck it. That's what's gonna be the new 3.5 rating as opposed to. I think I'm gonna add that in. Yeah. So where can our listeners find you when they're looking for you? Of course, there is alphacounter.com, which I'm gonna just say that is straight up the one place to go to find everything that we do. Because uh, even though I'm doing a guest stuff like uh, this, uh, shortly after uh, this podcast posts on your site, uh, I'll probably be reposting it uh, with your blessing uh, on my own. That's no problem. Yeah, we, we put everything that we ever do, including our own shows and guest appearances, can all be found on alphacounter.com. Alright, cool. And you can check us out at www.sparkin.com. You can email us, sparkin at gmail.com, or me at zansparkin.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, supposedly we're on Tumblr, I don't know, that's Hope's Department. And also, if you're really crazy, you can find us at a con near you. I think we're actually going to be going to be we're going to be at Anime Next. Yeah, should be fun. So I guess that part a lot of you who are listening have been waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that one. That only. Do you want to say it, Sean? You can say it. Yes, folks, the one and only. Now, what is this wondrous device? It's twelve-sided dice. Not going to lie. And what we've done is we've assigned a movie to each of the dice and. Actually, I haven't assigned it. Sean has assigned it, so I'm going to roll it. Well, what are just name a couple of the movies on that list so they can know what we might be reviewing in the next episode. Let me rephrase that. All right. So the reason why now there's a reason why we have nine because number ten. If I roll a ten, it's your choice. You get to choose what we review in the next episode. If it's eleven, I roll again, and if it's a twelve, it's my choice. That and you know how many times that's happened. Yep, that's right. Generally, eleven is, a ten is the one which comes up the most. So let me roll and see what we're reviewing. Well, actually, what what are some of the movies that are up on the chopping block for this episode? Well, I've kind of I've removed Taken for undisclosed reasons, and I'm looking right in one of my own choices. So I'm going to technically get three of my own picks. That's no problem. I was originally going to have you do all of them, but then I was like, wait a minute. But then you have to go through the whole list and see what I've reviewed. <laughs> that's that's no problem. Well, some of the ones from your list, we have uh, Any Given Sunday, uh, Mac Ross, Do You, Thrill, Do you Remember Love, uh-huh. see, Let Me In, The Grey, GoldenEye, and John Carter. Uh, all pretty good movies, except for The Grey, but that's a torturous film. <laughs> yes. And then there's my three handwritten picks. I will, then I will roll and see what we're reviewing, and then afterwards we'll... Number Three. Number three is one of my picks. It's going to be Face the Oh, uh, fucking, I love that movie so much. I love the fact that Alpha Counter's opening is that is that. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the correct response. Oh, yeah, no. The Basic Balls is an amazing film. I love it so much, even though some people say, oh, it's such a dumb movie, that jo- the dick joke is so, it gets used. Well, it's Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> By the Naked Gun guy. It's also, I think it's written and directed by the guy who did the Naked Gun movies and uh, like, uh, Hot Shots and 
Yeah. Also, did he do Orgasmo, or was that, uh, did he direct that too? No, uh, Trey Parker did, uh, wrote and directed Orgasmo. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, Trey Parker and Matt Stone appear in basketball, but they had very little to do with the actual creative process. That is interesting, because most people think that they wrote it and directed it, but to know that they actually... Oh, a sucker film, top to bottom. Oh, yeah, but it was totally worth it. It was a, it was a great commentary on sports uh, entertainment. Ah, so, uh, I guess that's it for this episode, and so with that in mind... From, uh, this is Sean Ryan from ElfCounter.com, asking... Where's my cat? I killed your cat, you drunky bitch! Oh, what? Why? I felt it would bring closure to our relationship. You killed my... my... Your what? My... You what, bitch? I'll shoot myself in the head. You can tell me that cat's name. Go ahead. You what? Your precious little skivvy, skivvy. Oh, Jesus! What color was it, bitch? Look, you fucking yell at her like that, you freak! Shit, your fat ass, Ravy! I can't buy a pack of smokes without running into nine guys. You fucked. Dad. And this is your host, Zahn, for the Spock and Movie Review. My favorite quote from 2000's Boondock Saints is going to be... Fucking what the fucking fuck? Who the fuck? Fuck this fucking... How did you do fucking fucks? Fuck! Well, it certainly illustrates the diversity of <laughs> Well, that's it, guys. We're out of here. Catch you next time.
I'm gonna have to close down the bar. Well, the Russians are buying up buildings all over the town, including this one. Fuck! Ass! And they're not letting me renew my lease. Try it again, try it again. Look at the ceiling. In. Tell him it was self-defense. Yeah, 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 that's what he said. How the fuck's he know that? We haven't spoken to anyone yet. I don't know. He did, did, didn't, didn't say. All right. <clears throat> Listen, Doc, we need you to do us a favor. <clears throat> Just hold on to this for us. We're going to come back for it when we get out. Right. streets of Boston. This was no gangland assassination. It was way too sloppy. Something went wrong here. An FBI agent is on a case. All the low lives in the quiet city of Boston start dropping dead and you think it's unrelated. They're all bad guys. Now they're all dead bad guys. The victims are the mob. What we have here, gentlemen, is the beginning of the first international mob war. And the hitmen think they're on a mission from God. Anybody you think is evil, don't you think that's a little weird, a little psycho? Sort of like 7-Eleven. We're not always doing business, but we're always open. That is nice and good. It was two shooters. Ain't freaking fantastic. This guy's very sharp. If he hasn't figured us out yet, he will. All we know is what we found out from the neighbors. And the general consensus is they're angels. Amen. In a place where the violent have the power. Destroy all that which is evil. So that which is good may flourish. One lawman doesn't know whether to catch the killers. I believe what they do is necessary. Or join them. All the things I wish I could do, these guys are doing. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood. There was a firefight! Son. Do 
How long since your last confession? Christ. I never confessed. I come here for advice. Not salvation. Why have you come to a church for counsel if you're not religious? It's ethics. I put evil men behind bars. But the law has miles of red tape and loopholes for these cocksuckers to slip through. I found out there these two guys fixed the situation with an iron fist as if they had God's permission. God's permission? God doesn't grant... In this day and age, I believe what they do is necessary. I, I feel it is correct. The soul is what gives us feelings. It's like a conduit through which the Lord speaks to us. You felt your answers would be here in the house of the Lord today. And you feel these men are necessary. So the Lord has spoken to you twice today. Has he now? <laughs> you were the one who came into this church speaking about beliefs and feelings. Is it so hard to believe that God has brought you here? I guess not. Now, it's very easy to be sarcastic about religion. But it's much more difficult to take a stand. I want to stand for what I believe in, Father. First, you have to know what your beliefs are. I believe that these young men are right. You know them personally? Yes. Would they ever harm an innocent person for any reason? No. They would never do that. Well... The two Irish guys went. The Italian guy, he might, he's kind of an idiot. I'm beginning to see all the things I wish I could do. These guys are doing. Oh, what, what should I do? Because I am a man who's supposed to uphold the law. The laws of God are higher than the laws. Of man. Yes, yes. I, I was thinking that too. No, no, I was feeling it. All I needed was to hear you say it. Amen. I will help them. Forgive me, Father. Thank you, Father.